Welcome to the Cure Church Lee Summit Podcast. Here at the Cure Church, we believe Jesus is the cure for whatever you may be going through. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, we pray this week's message encourages you. Father, we thank you, Jesus. Again, Father, for just an opportunity to worship you the opportunity to praise you, Lord Father, for you deserve it, God. You deserve all the praise and all the glory. Father, this morning, God, we just pray that you would speak to us. Father, as your prophet said, God, speak for your servant listens. Father, we want to have an ear to hear what the Spirit is speaking this morning, God. Father in heaven, I pray that if there's any other voices, God, let those voices be silenced right now in the name of Jesus. We want to hear from you, Lord God. We want to hear your voice, God, your will, your direction and guidance for our lives. Father, I pray that you would anoint me to speak your word with boldness and passion and clarity this morning. I pray anoint the ears and the hearts of your people. I come against distraction. I rebuke every lie of the enemy right now, Father. And I just pray that your glory will be manifest in even greater ways, God, as your word gets released into the atmosphere. We love you and we thank you, Lord God, for all that you've done, all that you're doing, what you're about to do. We are ready, God, for what you want to do in us. Have your way, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, somebody lift up their voice. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead and find your seat this morning. So as we mentioned already a few times, the last Sunday of 2021, and and I felt compelled in my spirit to bring forth a word, amen, that will challenge the body of Christ, that will also propel us and prepare us for where the world is going, amen? We need to be propelled because, you know, in our own nature, it can get real easy to get stuck in the monotony of life. The daily grind, the habits, amen, become repetitious. We go through it every week, work, family, church, ministry, hobbies, and we become comfortable in patterns, amen. But can I tell you something about patterns this morning? Patterns need to be disrupted. Patterns need to be disrupted. Why? Because I don't want to get religious. I don't want to get dry. I want the fresh fire of God over my life, amen. The moment you begin to disrupt patterns is the beginning of innovation and change. It's hitting the refresh button in your life so you won't stay stuck where you are and so you won't keep going around in circles. You know the bad thing about circles? You're moving, but you're not going nowhere. Come on, you think, well, I'm moving, but you ain't going nowhere. You're in the same spot that you've always been going, amen? God's desire wasn't only to save you, but he wants to propel you, he wants to push you, he wants to drive you and move you forward in the right direction. You know why? Because God is always doing a new thing. He's always doing a new thing. If you're bored, that ain't God's fault. That's our fault. Because he's always doing a new thing, amen? We also need to be prepared, church. You know why? Because the world we live in, it's not getting any easier. It's not getting any better. The world in which we know it is getting harder and more jaded and more and more opposed to the gospel and the name of Jesus Christ. That means we can't walk around pretending all is well. It's not. 
All is not well. We cannot live with our heads in the sand, pretending everything's okay. We need to know, amen, that there is a real battle that is raging all around us in the unseen, and we need to be prepared for it. Paul said this. Paul said, I have fought the good fight of faith. We have to do the same thing. Why is that important? Because there are some things in this world that are worth fighting for. Come on, there, listen, there are people that are worth fighting for. There are souls that are worth fighting for. Amen. Your marriage is worth fighting for. The gospel is worth fighting for. So this morning, I need you to allow yourselves to be open, attentive, hungry, and desperate for propelling and preparing. Is that all right? I need you to open up your Bibles, your tablet, your whatever, to Luke chapter 2. Now, this is a popular chapter in breaking down Christmas. A lot of preachers have stood behind pulpits all over the world reading these various scriptures. In Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 7, it breaks down the birth of Christ. In verse 8 through 20, it tells of the shepherds who were visited by angels and told that the Christ the King was born. They found him and they worshipped him. Verses 21 through 24 is where they gave him the name Jesus and dedicated him to the Lord. And verses 25 through 40, it speaks of prophecies given by Simeon and Anna in regards to the birth of Jesus Christ. And our text that we're going to read this morning takes place 12 years after the first Christmas. So literally from verses 40 through 41 is a 12-year gap. And the Bible says in verse 41 of our text, it says that his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. Every year, meaning this wasn't a one-time thing, as a family, they followed Jewish tradition, and that included the annual Passover, but there was something different about this Passover. Our text, the writer Luke, makes point to mention that Jesus was 12 years old in this moment. The number 12 represents governing. It represents authority. But the age of 12 in Jewish tradition and custom represented this. It represented a young man's transition into adulthood. There was something different about this moment. When I think about Jesus transitioning from from a young man to adulthood, it means this. He's going out of immaturity to maturity. Listen to me this morning. That means for us, there has to come a time when we got to grow up, there has to come a time where we spiritually have to grow up. If we're ever going to be who God has called us to be and do what God has called us to do, we need maturity in the body of Christ. We need to grow up. Thank you for the five hand class. We need to grow up. Listen, I wouldn't give a young kid the keys to my house, the keys to my car. And listen to me, God is not going to give us the keys to the kingdom, the key to the call of God on your life if you are not mature enough to handle it. You know what happens when I give something of value to someone who is not mature enough to handle it? They will hurt themselves and they will hurt others and we will do the same thing in the kingdom of God if we take on something that we are not ready for. You wonder, why? why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? Maybe you're not ready for it. Maybe you're not mature enough to prophesy over somebody. Maybe, come on, maybe you're not mature enough to preach that word. Because it only comes when there's a level of maturity that knows that I can handle what God is placing into my care. So I'll say it again. We got to grow up. 
There has to be a time of maturity in our lives, amen. We must be responsible. If not, we will hurt ourselves and we will hurt others. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, he said, when I was a child, I spoke about childish matters. For I saw things like a child, meaning my perspective was not where it needed to be, amen. He says, not only did I see things like that, I reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured and I set aside my childish ways. Paul is telling the Corinthians this. He's putting ownership on him. He said, I had to grow up. I got to grow up. Listen, it's not a bad thing. Stop taking a bad one until someone tells you to grow up. Stop acting like you always act. Come on, grow up a little bit. It's not a bad thing. Paul said, I had to grow up. I had to put away immaturity. I had to put away childish things. Why? Because Paul understood something. That those around me, those that I'm in charge of leading, listen, they can't grow up if I don't. Come on, if God has placed you in the care of others, listen, they will never get to a level, amen, that you are not at yourself. They can't grow up if I don't. Now, in Hebrews chapter 5, most people, they, they, we don't know exactly who wrote it. Most people credit it to Paul. But it says this in Hebrews 5 verse 12. It says, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need Someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. Meaning someone's already taught you. Someone's already told you. But you won't grow up. So now that we need to do it again over and over to get it inside of you. He said you are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. So where Paul says the way was on me to the letter to the Corinthian believers that I got to grow up. The weight is now being put on the church. It says you've been believers too long. You ought to be way further ahead than you are at this moment. But you've been lazy. You've ignored the basic foundations of your faith. Like reading and praying, worshiping, giving, and witnessing. How many times has someone told you, pray, read, give, be faithful, but we still don't do it. Listen, that means that we've been too lazy to take the basic instructions. And because we've been lazy, someone has to tell you again. Read your Bible. Listen, you've been saved for 14 years now. Read your Bible. Pray, worship, do the basic things that are part of your foundation. You ought to be so further along than you are right now. Matter of fact, not only, amen, should you be more mature, you should be teaching others how to be mature. You should be doing something in someone else's life, but you won't, so we have to continue going around this. Listen, others are launching into greater levels. But you're still at the same level you were when you first got saved. Come on, church. It's time to get off the milk. It's time to get off the milk. And it's time to get into the meat of your faith. Amen. In our text, Luke goes on to say this. He says, when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. All who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? 
Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? This last verse is the meat and potatoes of what I want to encourage us with this morning. Again, God is trying to propel us and prepare us. Amen. So as we read this, one thing is clear. Jesus fully understood both who he was and whose he was. We see that it's very clear. He said, I must be about who? My father's business. He understood something. He understood that Mary and Joseph, you're raising me, but God is my father. After heading back to Jerusalem, each parent both thinking he was with the other, they realized he wasn't with any of them. After a day's journey, they made a U-turn back to Jerusalem. And after looking in a more obvious place that a 12-year-old might be, maybe at the lunch buffet, maybe at the playground, maybe playing basketball down the street with the other kids, they were amazed to find being like any other mother, is worried, right? Come on, mama. We lost our kids at the zoo one time. But we didn't lose them. They left. And we had to locate them, amen? And that wasn't fun at all. Nick, Nick, Nick was with us. We were running around that zoo like crazy people, man. I mean, like full speed. Ran that hard in a long time, man. Glad I found you. But, you know, like a parent, there's worry, there's concern. They're anxious, the Bible says. They looked for him everywhere. They're looking for him here. They're looking for him there. They can't find him. And then for some reason, they say, well, well let's, the last place, let's, let's go to the temple. And they, and they go to the temple, and they find him. And this is what I love. Jesus, we've been looking everywhere for you. And Jesus said, why? Stay with me. Why? Why are you looking for me everywhere? You're going to get it here in a minute. You didn't have to go to those other places. <laughs> some, some few you're getting it, but I, I'm, let, me get, let me get into this. When people begin to understand and acknowledge who you are in Christ and who God has called you and created you to be, it'll be obvious where you are and where you're not. Come on, you ain't got to go a lot of places to find me on a Sunday morning, amen? You ain't got to go, come on, when it's known who I serve, who I belong to, amen? There's certain places you will be and there's certain places you won't be. Oh, come on, somebody. Listen, they no longer need to look for you at the clubs. They no longer need to look for you out drinking and smoking. They no longer need to look for you where you used to be. You want to find me? You can find me in God's house. You can find me where you know I ought to be doing God's will with my family. Why? Because Joshua said it. You can do whatever you want to do. But for me and my household, we are serving the Lord. So I don't know why you looking over here. Come on. I don't know why you looking over there. You can find me right here in God's house, doing God's will, being about my father's business. I believe in the word of God, church. And the word of God says, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves like some have done. 
The word of God says the gathering of believers is even more important today than it's ever been. Why? Because the end draws near. This is a place of hope. This is a place of change and transformation and encouragement for the body of Christ. So you know what that means? Because I've changed, my locations have changed. (laughs) Come on, because I'm different. Where I'm at is different. If you've given your life and your heart and everything to Jesus, you shouldn't be in old places. Come on, we say I'm a new creation, but you can't be a new creation in old places. Come on, you can't tell the world I'm brand new, but you're still doing what everyone else is doing. Come on, there has to be a change. There has to be a transformation in your life. Jesus just couldn't understand it. He couldn't get it, amen. Why are you looking for me on all these places besides where you found me? If someone said, I was looking for you at the casino. When you're born again, blood washed, come on. You should have the same response Jesus had. Why? Why in the world are you looking for me where I used to be? Why are you looking for me at this strip club? Why are you looking for me over here? Listen, I am not there no more because I am a new man. I am a new woman. So because I'm new, I have new places. Come on, somebody. Come on. I have new places. I am not in old places doing my old things. So you need to tell them why. Why are you looking for me where I used to be? You're looking for me in all the wrong places. Don't you know that I must be about my father's business? Jesus said these words, and this is important because you know what it reflects? It reflects this. Jesus was not about his own business. Hear me this morning. He was about his father's business. Easy for every one of us to do our own thing. We have no problem being about our own business, amen, doing things that benefit us but don't benefit the kingdom or nothing, no one else around us. We have these sayings like, I'm handling my business. But with a surrendered life, it ain't about us no more. The Bible says we're called to look out for the interests of others more than ourselves. Meaning my business has to align with my father's business. Amen. It's about looking for God's will more than my will. Jesus said this. Jesus said, I must. Somebody say must. I must be about my father's business. He didn't say, I want to be about my father's business. He didn't say, I should be about my father's business. Eventually, I'll be about my father's business. He said, I must be about my father's business. That word must is a word that cancels out choices. It cancels and voids out, you know, do I want to do it or not options. He says, I must be about my father's business. Let me tell you something this morning. The days of casual Christianity, that's over. The days of in and out, I'll be here one day, maybe I won't. That's over. That's done with, man. That that, that just ain't going to cut it no more. I'm not saying you won't do it, but that's on you. But the days of just optional Christianity, you know, do I want to be saved on Sunday, but I want to not be saved on Saturday night and Friday night, that's done with, man. Playtime's over. We got to be about our father's business, amen. We got to stop playing games. You heard this too many times and maybe it don't move you no more, but Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. The Antichrist is being revealed in this moment. People are talking about it. They're not even trying to hide it no more. 
persecution will arise. And if you love God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul, and your neighbor as yourself, that means that no longer can I pick and choose. I must be about my father's business. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. You know what that means? That means that is a commandment, not a suggestion. I must be a witness. You must be a witness. You must tell others about Jesus. It's not optional. Oh, that's just not my strength. Well, thank God, because it's God's. And God will give you the strength you need to do what he's called you to do. We put so much on us. It ain't about us. It's about him. I must, we must tell them, we must share our testimony on how Jesus changed our life. And encourage someone that, man, if God can do this in me, he can do it in you. Let me tell you why it's a must. The Bible talks about the need of this in the last days. Researchers show that there's a decline in church attendance, amen. 15% decline over the last few years. That means more and more people are not finding significance in this moment. They'd rather sleep in. Maybe we made it too easy. I'll watch it tonight on YouTube. But again, the Bible says don't forsake the assembling of ourselves. We record for the option if someone can't make it, not because they don't want to make it. The world is hurting. The world is broken. And for us, the body of Christ, you know what this means? This decline, amen, the, 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 the fact that Jesus is coming back and people are falling away. It means we got some work to do. We got some work to do. And our competition ain't with other churches. Our competition is with hell. Come on, there's more than enough sinners to go around, amen? When we're not going around as a church fishing in somebody else's pond, it just creates a bunch of transfers. We're not looking for transfers. We're looking, we're looking for converts. We're looking for people who are lost and broken and messed up just like we were, amen, to come into the kingdom of God, to get saved and see their life changed and transformed. We must be about our father's business. We must love. We must love. I was talking Spanish for a minute, what? Okay. We must love because Paul said that all the things we do in this world, if love is not our motivation, then a prophet says nothing. It means nothing, amen. You can sing the best. You can preach the best. You can do all these things. You can prophesy. You can explain the Bible frontwards and backwards. But if your motivation ain't love, so what? It doesn't mean anything if what we do is not based on love. We must love. That's not an option. That's not a choice we can make or not make. We got to forgive. My wife said it when she came up here, man, forgiveness brings freedom. But here, here's a real deal about forgiveness. This is why we must forgive. If we don't forgive, we remove the ability of God to forgive us. Jesus was clear, said, if you can't forgive others, I can't forgive you. I can't. Because if you can't find it in your heart to forgive someone when you put me on the cross, how can I forgive you? We must be givers. The prophet Malachi said, if we don't give our tithe and our offering, we're robbing God, but it goes even deeper than that, church. Because it's not just money. It's our time. Come on, it's our talent. Come on, it's our energy. 
Come on, I ain't got time. I'm too tired. Come on, man. All of it belongs to God. All of it belongs to God. So we have to give of God. Amen. We must obey God and deny our flesh because obedience is better than sacrifice. Come on. These, these things that I'm telling you are must. They got to come with a level of understanding. They understand what you're talking about, Pastor. These things are a must. You have to understand the significance, and I'll show you how you must breathe. You don't decide, well, I don't feel like it. I didn't brush my teeth this morning. I don't want to breathe. There's going to be all everywhere. I don't want to do it. No, you must breathe. If not, you will turn a shade of blue that is uncomfortable for the rest of the church. And you will fall over. And not by the spirit. Amen. Listen, you must eat. I know some of you just like to eat. Some of us, sorry. Some of us like to eat. But you must eat, right? It has to get to a point where no matter how long you try not to, you got to eat. You have to drink water. Some of you don't know what water is. It's that clear substance. It looks like that. That's not an energy drink. What is that thing? You must do these things, right? Because if you don't, you will die. You have to sleep. Come on. You don't take these things as suggestions, right? And as a matter of fact, no one has to tell you to do these things. Hey, hey, hey. Don't forget to breathe. Come on, man. I told you. Breathe. No one has to tell you to do that. You just do it. Why? Because it's natural. Well, when we begin to find ourselves firmly in the kingdom of God, It may not be natural, but it's supernatural to read and to pray and to do these things, to love and forgive. We have to do these things. These things are vital. We take them as commandments with a sense of urgency and eagerness. Amen. Time short. We must be about our father's business. So as I close this morning. Grow up. Grow up. Oh, pastor being mean. No, I'm not. I'm challenging you to get into this new year with a new fire, a new passion, a new desire, a new hunger, a new eagerness. Amen. A heart that I must be about my father's business. We have to grow up. Some of you have been in the church a long time and God is wanting more for you. He's expecting more of you. We can't sit around. You know, we talk about how the 20% of the church is 80% of the work. That should be done with. More people need to rise up and get involved. I'm challenging you. Be better today than you were yesterday. Be committed to the basic foundational truths of the word of God. Because here's the deal. If our father's business is not a must, we must be doing something else. It comes down to this. Choose this day who you will serve. Because if I don't think I must be about my father's business, then I must be about someone else's business. I must be about doing other things. Serve God. Serve God. No more in and out. No more playing games. Serve God. Choose this day who you will serve. Choose today to be about your father's business. Amen. Come on, if you believe it, give God praise this morning in the house of God. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Jesus. Stand to your feet with me, church. Stand to your feet with me this morning. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. The challenge is clear. We must be about our Father's business. If you're ready to be about your Father's business, come to this altar right now on this last Sunday of 2021 and let's begin to press in to the presence of God. Oh, Lord, we need you in this place. Come on, come on. No more playing games, no more in and out. No more in and out. We must be about our Father's business. God, challenge me. God, speak to me. God, help me. Jesus, come on, lift up your hands all over this place. Thank you, Father. Look at this altar. Come on. Why is this altar important? Because God is altering some things in your life right now. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, talk to him right now. Come on, talk to him right now. Thank you, Jesus. Expecting a level of maturity to begin to come to your life. There's nothing more frustrating than to see power and potential over a life of someone, but they just won't do enough to get to the level God wants them to. Sometimes people are scared of different levels because we understand that different levels means different devils. But different levels also means a greater anointing. I'd rather have the anointing and deal with the opposition than to be satisfied to be stuck where I'm at. Come on, your walk with God is a progression. Just like growing up is a progression. You weren't born with the ability to talk. You weren't born with the ability to walk. Those things came with progression. And God is saying, I'm doing the same thing in your life. And let me tell you something real clearly now. Your age does not dictate your maturity. Come on. I'm believing God for our young people, for our youth to have a level of maturity in their life. Come on. I, I'm putting a level of expectation on their lives. I pray that our teenagers will start writing books. Amen. I'm praying our teenagers, amen, we're going to write songs and sermons. Come on. It, it's only here in America that we think our children can't do nothing. But here's the deal. Even our adults are not doing enough. So, Lord, the challenge is this. Let the adults in this church begin to lead the way in exampleship. The writer of Hebrews said, by this time, you ought to be doing more. Come on, by this time. I pray, listen, conviction is a good thing. Be convicted this morning. We're not here to condemn you. The Lord's not here to condemn you. But we need to be convicted if we know that's us. I'm at the same level this year that I was last year. I'm not doing anything different. I'm stuck in the same place. I'm going around in circles. I'm moving, but I'm not progressing. God's saying today is the day. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask and pray, God, that you would show us the areas in our life, God, that we need to grow up in, where we need to mature, that if we're still doing, dealing with that same attitude we've always had, help us to mature, God. If we're still dealing with the fact that we don't constantly read or pray, that we don't find importance or significance in getting into your word, God, then talking with you and worshiping me, God, deal with us this morning, God. Father, convict us that when we wake up in the morning, God, that we will find the importance and the significance of connecting with you. 
Because the world around us is trying to connect to us in all kind of different ways. Podcasts, TV shows, streaming media, internet. The world is trying to connect with us. But Lord, we need to be connected with you. Because when we're connected with you, we can stream out and block out every word of opposition, everything that says contrary to your word, Father. When I'm connected with you, I can hear my Father's voice. When I'm about and a part of my Father's business, I can recognize your voice, God. So Jesus, help us to mature. Help us to grow up, God. Help us to reach you to a level, Lord God, of spiritual adulthood in the name of Jesus. Lord in heaven, we don't want to be toddlers no more. We don't want to be infants no more, God. We, don't, we can't be sustained on the milk, God. We want the meat of your word in the name of Jesus. Listen, not that you might be. Not that you should be. You must be about your father's business. All other business ain't your business no more. You must be about your father's business. Matthew 6.33 says that if we will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things shall be added to us. When you are about your father's business, God will take care of every other business. Amen? He will take care. When I'm about my father's business, he will take care of my family. He will take care of my finances. He will take care of my health. He will take care of everything else. I must be about my father's business. Father, in the name of Jesus, let us be about your business. Lord in heaven, we pray that we will seek your will above our own. The Lord in heaven, everything we do will point back to the cross. It will point back to the kingdom. It will point back to your will. Lord God, I just pray you would have your way in us and through us. That we will be about your business. We're in the business of souls being saved. We're in the business, amen, of laying hands on the sick that they may recover. We're in the business, amen, of people being set free from every bondage in their life. We're in the business of ripping souls out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. In the name of Jesus. It's not an option, Lord. Let it never, ever, ever be an option in our life no more. We must be about our Father's business. And we repent in this place. We repent in the house of the Lord. Forever making it about us. It's not about us. It's about you, Lord. Father, forgive us. We plead, God, for your mercy. For making things about us. Our issues. Our only issue is doing your will. We take care of your house, you'll take care of our house. We take care of your will, you'll take care of everything else, God. When we're faithful to your house, you'll be faithful to ours. Jesus, Holy Spirit, bring forth a fresh wave of conviction, God. If we ever begin to make it about us and our will and our business, God, Let it be about your will, your business at all times. God, every day we wake up, God, let us seek moments and opportunities, Lord God, that we can do your will, God. We must, we must. You need to say that I must 
I must, I must, I must be about my father's business. If I must breathe, if I must eat, if I must drink, if I must sleep, then I also must be about my father's business. And the way those things, Lord, are not optional, neither is your will, God. I must be faithful to your house. I must be faithful to the call of God that is on my life. I must be faithful, oh God, to my family. I must be God. And if I haven't, God, I repent in this moment. I turn away from unfaithfulness and I turn to faithfulness. I turn to your will, God, above everything else, Lord. Lord, let this be the year as we enter into 2022, God, that we enter in, Father, with a sense of urgency like never before. An urgency so great, God, that we don't have time to lust. We don't have time to steal. We don't have time, amen, to be walking in hatred and prejudice, God. But we don't have time for that. Jesus, you're coming back soon. You're coming quickly, oh God. The Bible says that he comes like a thief in the night. If we're about your business, we'll be ready. We won't be caught with our hands in a cookie jar. We'll be ready like the five wise virgins who had their oil ready, their lamps burning. We want to be ready, God. We want to be ready, God. We don't want to be locked out of a great banquet, Father. We want to be ready. So, Lord, we pray, let us be about our Father's business. If you believe it, give God the praise he deserves right now in the name of Jesus. Yes! Jesus! Someone say this, say this, say, say 2022 is my year. I'm going to grow. I'm going to mature. I'm going to be who God has called me to be. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. I'm going to be faithful. No more choices. No more decisions. I must be about my father's business. Amen. Amen. Come on, Jesus. One more thing I want to do before we dismiss. If there's anyone here. You're not born again. You're not saved. You're not serving God. Jesus loves you. This church, you may, may be your first time here. We love you. We understand, man, when, when God graces us and allows someone to walk into this church for the first time, man, we want to honor that. We want to honor God in that. But if you're here and you're not saved, you're not born again, you're not serving God, please don't walk out of here the same way. There has to come a level of maturity right now where you understand the need of a Savior. And if that's you, and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ or rededicate your life to Jesus Christ, just lift up your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Come on. Come on. You raise your hand. Say this prayer after me. The requirement is always one thing. Mean it. Mean it. That's all. Don't let it be just something I've done. I did it before. Nothing changed. Come on. This time is going to be different. This time is going to be different. Because you're going to say this prayer and you're going to walk away with a mindset, I must be about my father's business. Amen. Say this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, 
Forgive me of all of my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me in your precious blood. I believe that you died for me. And that you rose again on the third day. And on the third day, you defeated death, hell, the grave, and my sin. Come into my heart. Make me a new creation. The old me has passed away. Behold, I am new. From this day forward, I'm going to serve you. Feel me now with your Holy Spirit. That I could be who you want me to be. And do what you want me to do. In Jesus' name, I'm yours. Amen and amen. Come on. Jesus! Thank you so much for listening to the Cure Church Lead Summit podcast. If you would like to partner with us, please visit our website at www.thecurechurchls.com and click the Give tab. We thank you so much for joining us today. Remember, Jesus is the cure.